Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. All right, are you at Colossians? Three, 12 people. Wow, that was very underwhelming. Here we go. Let me, uh, let me read. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. That's what we've just been talking about. Seek, run after, desire the things that are above. It's so hard to do sometimes. In this atmosphere, it's a lot easier. But the goal of this atmosphere is not just to make you feel good now, it's to equip you for tomorrow. And I find it hard sometimes to seek after things that are above because it's the things that are around me just draw and suck my attention and my energy. And, 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 and Paul's telling us here in these verses, I want you to seek after things that are above. And it, makes a, it requires us to make a conscious, when we talked last week about choices, a conscious choice to say, I'm not going to allow those things that are I'm facing, those things that are around me, whether it's just material things or whether it's challenges or difficulties. I'm not, I'm not going to be somebody that seek after those things. Those things can distract us from time to time, but my focus, making a decision that my focus is going to be those things that are above. He goes on and he says, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He says, set your mind, say set your mind, again on things above. Not the things of this earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Last week we started this thought talking about his ways, God's ways. We know the verse, Isaiah says that his ways are not my ways. And we understand that our ways are different. But then we are faced with a decision that, that we can make. Do I, am I satisfied with there being this chasm of a gap between the way I do things and the way God does things? Or do I step into this, this journey of gradually, I will never get there because he is God and I am not, but I can step into a journey of gradually closing the gap between my ways and his ways. That's what it means to be more godly. And, and, and that's what we're, we're talking about. And so as we unpacked it, last week we finished talking about the fact that I have a choice. And we talked about that, that, that story of Jesus with the disciples in the boat, remember? And he reprimanded them and it looked like they were doing the right thing. Um, and it was very evident that, that our ways are different to his ways based on that story because the disciples' ways were so different to God's ways and it didn't make sense. And so we unpacked it and we wrote down three little things that we needed to be reminded of in relation to or in regards to God's ways. One was the fact that I have a role. I play a part. It's not just me standing back saying, God, do what you want to do. No, what God wants to do, he wants to do through me. That's part of the Great Commission. That's part of what I'm mandated to do as a believer. So I play a role. I have power. Remember, because in the boat, Jesus looked at them and said, where's your faith? Why did you wake me to do this? You could have done this. 
And often we don't experience God's ways in our life because we do not understand the power that we carry. I have power. And thirdly, as I mentioned earlier, the third thing we wrote down was I have a choice. I have a choice that I can make. It is the most powerful thing you have at your disposal is your ability to choose. Many of you are sitting here today because one day, many years ago, you made a choice, you chose Jesus. And because you chose Jesus, you experienced the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we have a choice. You can choose to just simply tell the devil no. You don't have to entertain a conversation. You don't even sometimes have to do a big long prayer. You just, when you understand your power and your authority, Heaven backs your no. So when you just tell the devil no, how many did it this week? How many just went home and just told the devil no? When you tell the devil no and you believe it, there is power behind your no and and there is also power behind your yes, you have a choice. And so today as we unpack this, it's important that we're reminded like what this verse tells us. He's talking about setting your mind, that the state of my mind is very important because the state of my mind reflects the condition of my heart. And we see this when Jesus was facing criticism from the scribes and Pharisees. And it says here that the scribes and the Pharisees in Luke 5 verse 21 began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Look at the wording, it says, they began to reason, which means they were thinking this. So these are their thoughts, right? So they're thinking, this joker's a punk, like who does he think he is, right? And Jesus responds to them. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, right, so they're thinking this, this is their mind, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and he said to them, why are you reasoning in your, he didn't say in your heads, he said in your hearts. That Jesus, and we know this is how he operates, he always bypasses the surface and goes straight to the root. And the way in which they were thinking, there was a direct correlation to the way in which they were thinking and the condition of their heart. And so when it comes to unpacking this idea of understanding, if you like, for lack of a better term, the way God works and God's ways, it's really important that we don't just bring our head, but we bring our heart to the conversation. Because when we're talking about the magnitude of this God that is all power, that is supernatural, that He is the Creator, we are the created, we have to understand that there is a portion of this that is not transferred to us by information, but it's caught by a revelation. And that's why it's important that we open our hearts and that's a choice that we get to make. And so when we set our mind upon the things that are above, our heart follows. And now my heart is positioned correctly because my focus is aligned with God's plan and God's purpose for my life. So when I make this decision to steer my thinking in a godly direction that is upward, I then am positioning my heart to receive encounter and to receive revelation. I went this week, I went to, uh, I was in Nashville just for a couple of days for a church conference. And, uh, and so I, I flew, I landed uh, yesterday. And like, you know, if you've ever flown, which many of you probably have, most of you probably have, and you get on the, get on the uh, you know, aeroplane, of course, when you get on there, the, the pilot comes over the loudspeaker, you know, he interrupts your little movie that you're watching. 
And what's the first thing he does? He introduces himself. Hello, this is your captain speaking. And then he starts and proceeds to, to talk to you about what's about to happen. None of you are listening to it because none of you care. Because why? Because you trust the pilot. The way I see it, he didn't need to tell me what he's doing. That's why I'm on the plane because I trust him. If I needed to know what he was doing, then that would mean that I didn't trust him. And I have no opinion. I can't change what he's doing anyway. So just do it, bro. And let me keep watching my movie. <laughs> but he gets on and the first thing he does is he introduces himself and he says, hello, this is your captain speaking. And that's really important because that makes a difference and that sets up what he's about to communicate to me because the fact that he is the captain identifies that he carries authority on the plane. So the information he's about to say makes a difference because of who he is. No one gets on the flight and be like, hey, this is uh, Joe Smith from 29C. Just wanted to get on and say, hey. I don't care what Joe Smith at 29C has to say because he is not in control of the plane. And the decisions that this, this captain are going to make are going to affect the rest of us that are on the plane, right? Because when you understand that you are someone that carries authority and you understand that someone who carries power ordained by God and given to you by God, you understand that you also have influence, Therefore, what you do and the decisions you make matter. In the same way, the authority that you have on your life, the decisions that you make to think and focus on in relation to your mind will affect the rest of your life and then in turn your heart. You know what this pilot does? And I want you to think about this for a minute because this is a fascinating thought. And this is gonna bring me to the first thing that I want you to write down. This pilot is sitting in his little cockpit, steering a plane that, that weighs, you know, half a million or so pounds. He's trained, he's educated, he's got flight time. The guy knows what he's doing. But the first thing, I'm fascinated by this as a thought, the first thing that this pilot does when we start to take off is he looks down onto the ground and looks for these little guys with the little things. I've got a couple here for you in case you. I've always wanted to do this. I realised, I, no, just as a side note, I, I, I realised that in the last service and I went to pick them up and I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to do this. And, and I thought to myself, if this whole thing falls apart, like if the church falls apart, you might be flying one day and look down And there I am. I think I would do really well. I mean, I'd probably mess around with it a little bit, but um, it's fascinating to me that a man in the cockpit with that much authority is guided by something so simple and so basic. Like, I want you to think, like, look at this, the size of this machine, the power that it has, the potential that it has. And you got one little dude out of the front being like, <laughs> they never smile. Why do they look so angry all the time? 
I would be the only one smiling. I'd be like. <laughs> it, just, it feels good doing it. Stop, don't laugh at me. Go home, get two flashlights and you'll know what I'm talking about. I would be the worst. I would be, I would be like, and I would get so distracted. Like, all right, listen, we're talking about serious stuff here. Get back to this. I've got a great point in here. The first thing that I want you to write down is real simple. I want you to write down the word obedience. Because that's what this pilot is doing. This pilot has all of this authority, all of this power, all of this influence. And he's making a choice to obey something that seems so trivial and so simple. And it's, this is so connected to our lives and the purpose that God has for us and the way in which God works. That you have incredible power, incredible authority on your life, incredible potential, purpose ahead of you that is beyond what you can imagine, but it is only activated when we make the decision that we're going to actually be obedient. And I'm amazed, even in my own life, at how difficult it is sometimes for me to obey. I don't find it as difficult to obey the big things that God asks me to do. Because often I know that the big things, I feel like the big things are going to be connected to big results. So I get, you know, I get pumped up when it comes to doing something big, but I find it more difficult to obey the small things because I find it hard to connect small obedience to big results. And we want big results. But often that's where the testing is because God has a way of doing things that's very different to ours. And what God often does is He connects big results to little obedience. Because if I can obey him in the small, then I'll obey him in the... And sometimes the things that seem so trivial that he tells me to do in Scripture that feel like they're not connected to my purpose really at all. Those are the things that I think we find more difficult to obey. Do you know the Bible says don't gossip? Gossip is talking crap about people that you don't know and you're not connected to. I wish I had a nicer way of saying it, but I'm just telling you the truth. But we find it so difficult to obey the simple things because we find it hard to connect things like that to an amazing great purpose that we know we have. The Bible tells us don't forsake the gathering together. The Bible says, he's saying, go to church. Go to church. Don't sit back and just watch online if you can get to church. Go to church. Make that decision to do that. But we find that hard sometimes because we get busy and life is life. And that's your prerogative. You choose what you want to do. We're always going to have church. We'll always be here. But there's a simple instruction that God gives us in Scripture. He tells us to tithe. He tells us to give a tenth and an offering. 
And I don't know about you, but sometimes these little simple things, I'm astounded at how difficult we seem to find them, especially in Western culture. Because real simply, we don't like being told what to do. I don't. I don't want other people to tell me what to do. But when I understand that I'm submitted under the covering of a heavenly father that I surrendered my life to, then it's important for me to actually be obedient to what he's telling me to do in scripture. Can you imagine if that pilot, right, they close the doors, everyone puts their seatbelt on and he looks down at a little dude and the dude's down there doing this. Imagine, imagine, imagine if the pilot looks down at the guy and he's doing this and the pilot's like, Getting over. Can you imagine that? It's like the guy's down there telling him, bring the plane here and the pilot's like, nah. We're gonna, we're gonna take it over there. I don't know if this is how they steer it. Like, maybe it's like a bus, you know? And they're like, I'll be a great bus driver too, that would be good. Imagine, like that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Imagine if the pilot's like, the guy's guiding him to where the runway is and the pilot's like, no, let's take it on the grass. A couple wheelies. Like, what and it's laughable, isn't it? Because we think no, no pilot would do that. But essentially, we do that in our Christian walk all the time. You know what God is doing? You know what our small group leaders are doing? Do you know what the Holy Spirit is doing? Do you know what I'm doing on a Sunday? It's this, with God's Word, just saying, Go this way. And you know what we do? Nah. <laughs> nah. And, and then do you know what happens? You end up going around in circles with all the potential and all the purpose and all the power and all the authority and you're just doing circles on the grass. And you wonder why you feel unfulfilled. Because you feel like you're created for more. Because the same way if a 747 is doing circles on the grass, it is created for more. And the problem is, is that's how we live our Christian life. And then what we do is we go and find other Christians because birds of a feather will flock together. And so we go find other little 747s that want to go to the grass and then we all go to the grass together. <laughs> and then we all start doing little bumper cars with our 747s on the grass, just driving around smiling at each other. Because if I'm in a bad place, if I can find somebody else that's in the bad place as well, then that makes me feel better and more comfortable where I am. That's why it's really good to not always hang out with people that are like you. It's good to get around people that are actually doing more than you because then that invites you to a better space and doesn't let you stay where you are. And, and, and this, is, this is what happens. So he gives us this simple task in all through Scripture and asks us, will we obey? He tells us in James that he wants us to not just be hearers of his word, but to be doers of his word. But doing his word is hard and it's difficult. But there is a process that he has in place. Because what he wants to actually do 
and where he wants to take us that begins with obedience is he, is he wants to take us, this is how he works, he wants to take us on this, this journey that, that leads us to a place of understanding. The, 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 the goal of, of him directing us is not just so that we would do something. The goal is so that we would, it starts with us doing something, but he wants to lead us to a place where we then understand something. That's what spiritual growth looks like. It's the same way when it comes to parenting. I've got a four and a five-year-old. Leo's my daughter. Luke is my son. And right now, for my son at five, or probably when he was more sort of three, he would, he would say things like, you get home after school and it's dinner time, and he says, Dad, can I have candy? Now, when you're having this conversation with a three-year-old, it's real simple, right? Because they can't understand very much, and they're very immature. And so when he says, can I have candy for dinner? Of course, I say, no, and then if you know a three-year-old and you've got one, they come back and they say, why? <laughs> and then do you know what we say as parents? And I love saying this because it makes me feel like I'm in control of a house that really I'm not. <laughs> what do we say, parents? Because dad Because dad said so. That's the conversation that I had with him when he's three. Do what I'm telling you to do because I said so. But what I've noticed is now our conversations are changing a little bit because now Luca's is no longer three, now he's five. So Luca says to me still, can I have candy tonight for dinner? And now what I do is I say to Luca, no buddy, you can't have candy tonight. And again, he's still five, so he says why? But my response has changed because what I want to do is I don't want him to stay at a place of just doing. I want him to move from a place of doing to a place of understanding. And as he grows and matures, he has a greater capacity to understand. And because he's got a greater capacity to understand, I give him more information with the idea that that information will then lead to a revelation that he will have that candy's not good for him to have at night. So I will tell him. He'll say, why? And I say, buddy, if you have candy tonight for dinner, you won't eat your dinner. And then you won't sleep good. And you'll have all this sugar in you and you're going to wake up tired and you'll have a bad day tomorrow. And so little bit by little, because what I, my goal is as a parent is I want to raise Luca up. I'm not, I'm not raising a son to stay a son. I'm raising a son to one day become a dad. And what I don't want is I don't want a 20-year-old that doesn't have, that, that the moment dad's not there, he eats candy for dinner because dad's not there to tell him not to. I want a 20-year-old that understands now that candy for dinner is not good for him and makes a choice for himself based on what he understands. And this is what God is, is doing with us. He, he's trying to lead us to this place when we understand things and we understand them because we have, the second word I want you to write down is the word application. We understand them because we have applied the principles to our life and we have received the benefits of abiding by them. How many of us in this room as adults, when we made a decision that we were gonna do certain things according to Scripture, at the time we didn't see the benefits of them? But now as we've gone further along in our life, we realise that they're 
benefits to actually doing what God has told us to do. So when God tells us, don't sleep with anybody before you're married, it's called fornication in Scripture. It's a spooky word, but that's what it means. And as, and as bizarre as that sounds, as something to live by in this day and age, when we recognise that this is a guideline that God has given us, not to hold us down, but to actually raise us up into the fullness of His purpose. And for many of you that now you perhaps did that, and if you didn't and you've repented, it's fine, God's grace covers it and God restores it. But now many of you, now that you're married, at the time it looked like something when you were young, they're like, who's gonna do that? No one saves himself for marriage. That's bizarre, that's silly, that's stupid. But now that you did it, you're married now a few years and you realise the benefits of what you did because you didn't just do it because he said it. It started that, day, that way, but now you understand it. And understanding is so important because I cannot impart something that I just did. I can only impart something that I understand. And now you're raising your kids to follow the same guideline and the words that you speak to them carry power and authority because they're coming from a place of not information but a place of revelation. Because we know this as parents, don't we? There's two ways we can learn things. There's the easy way and there's the hard way. And this is why it's so important because I want you to see what happens here. When we make a decision that I'm gonna be obedient, and I'm going to apply these things to my life. I want you to see what happens here. This, this, this aeroplane, pull that picture of the plane up. I mentioned it earlier, but it weighs just under, on average, they say half a million pounds. Its, it's maximum flying weight is, is just under a million pounds, about 900,000 pounds. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever that that thing should fly. Makes no sense. I want you to think about how much steel there is in that. Think about the weight of that. Have you ever looked at these things and thought, there is, there is no reason that that thing should be up in the air. But, but it's not in, in its raw form it's not, because as much as it has the potential to fly, we would all agree, it has the capability, it has the purpose of flying. It was designed to fly. It's equipped to fly. It's ready to fly. It has everything it needs to fly. It cannot. You know why? Because it has to submit to a law, the law of gravity. And Newton's law of gravity says to this plane, you are going to stay on the ground. That's what gravity says to it. Gravity says, you're going to stay right where you are. Gravity says to this plane, I know you have the potential, I know you're designed to fly, but gravity says to him, you're going to stay right where you are. You're not going to step into your potential. You're going to, because I'm gravity, this is how I work. And this is not just an idea, this is a law. You're going to stay where you are. Gravity is okay for this plane to do circles on the grass. 
if that's what it wants to do. Gravity says to that plane, you're fine to do that. You can, gravity says to that plane, you can put a couple hundred people in there, that's okay. You can, you can do, go around this little runway, you can do circles around there, you can. But gravity says that you're not gonna leave this ground because this is how the law of gravity works. But I want you to watch what happens. I want you to, to track with me because we've probably all seen this if we've been to an airport or flown before. What happens when you begin to apply obedience to your life and you start to redirect your life? Gravity watches this plane and sees this plane now making decisions based on the choices of the one that has authority. The pilot now decides, you know what? I'm gonna obey the little man with the flashlights. I'm gonna obey the guideline that's ahead of me by way of a runway. A runway is a, is a guide. It's a, it's a, if you want to, for lack of a better term, it's a framework. Scripture tells us that the worlds were framed by His Word. And, and you could say to that pilot, well, why are you letting them limit you? Why are you letting these little lights and this lane that just goes straight, why, why are you abiding by that? It would actually be a dumb question to ask a pilot, wouldn't it? Why? Because the pilot understands that these little acts of obedience, that on the surface you think that they look like they're there to restrict you, but if you see what's going on and you understand the process that's ahead, what looks like to others that it might be restricting you is actually positioned in a way to not hold you down, but raise you up if you follow them. And so this pilot makes a decision that even though gravity and the law of gravity exists, he says, I'm gonna now apply obedience and application to my potential and to my life. And I'm gonna now begin to put into practice what I'm being told to do. And it starts small. And as it starts, and that plane first starts moving just a little bit slowly forward, gravity still has power over it. And then he, he goes past the first little light on the runway. And then the second light. And then the third light. And all of these little lights, they represent little acts of obedience and little acts of application to your life. Then at the start, it doesn't make sense and it feels like you're not necessarily walking in your purpose. But then one leads to two and two leads to three and three leads to four. And then you start to build what we call momentum. And then what happens, something incredible happens. As this pilot is guiding this plane by simple acts of obedience, the power of the law of gravity, little bit by little bit, starts to lose its grip on the plane. And as the plane begins to build that momentum and bit by bit through small acts of obedience, now what happens is there is this power 
powerful thing where there is a transfer, where the plane, because it's obeyed and it's applied, the plane shifts where it no longer has to submit to the law of gravity and it now begins to operate in another law that they call the law of lift. And now the law of lift begins to influence the plane. And it's not that gravity stopped. It's just that it lost its power because the law of lift supersedes it. But the law of lift was only activated by little acts of obedience. And one act led to the next one, to the next one. And now we have a plane that is operating in the early stages of its potential and its purpose. This is how God works. This is God's ways. And we love to talk about things like the law of lift because lift can represent what? Blessing, favour, breakthrough, miracles. Whatever it is that you want changed in your life, you could put it in that category, couldn't you, for the sake of the illustration. And so now, as I'm telling you, if you abide by God's Word, you begin to unlock or activate this law of lift and you begin to step into the early stages of your purpose. But what we need to be reminded of when it comes to the way in which God works, and it's the same way when it comes to flying in a plane, that that this law of lift or this elevation, if you like, that we are now in, the elevation is not the goal of flying. If somebody says to you, I'm flying on a plane tomorrow, what are you going to say to them? Say it again. Where are you going? Because elevation is not the goal of flight, destination is. And so where we get confused in church is we think that elevation is the goal. And we think the goal is that I would get healed, blessed and favoured by God. And when I'm experiencing that, that's when I'm going to really be operating in the fullness of God's plan for my life. But I'm here to tell you that's not the way God works. Because the goal that God has for our life, the goal, the focus, elevation is a part of the journey, but elevation is not the goal. The goal is to actually know Him more. That's that's the goal. And, And what happens is we reduce our level of elevation because we have a wrong idea of the destination. And we have reduced the goal as being just elevate me, God. 
But God cannot trust us with that level of elevation if elevation is the goal, because when you get there, you will just stay there and do circles in the air. And you will never get to the destination of knowing Him more. You will just get to the destination of having lots of great things happening in your life. But God's heart for us is too big and He loves us too much and He wants revelation that bad, that He will actually keep us grounded lest we take elevation and glorify ourselves. And He will say to us, until you're ready to establish knowing me as the goal, I cannot elevate you. Because it's only when I find somebody whose heart is completely committed to just knowing me that I know I can trust them with the desires of their heart because delight yourself in the Lord and then He will give you the desires of your heart. And a delighted person has a trusted heart. And until we get to the place where we are delighting ourselves in the Lord, He can't trust us with anything in our heart because we've got too much stuff in here that's not of God. But elevation, it is a part of the journey. But not only is elevation, which represents all the great things we want, not only is it a part of the journey, it's actually necessary for the journey, isn't it? Because a plane's not going to get to its destination without the elevation. And so that's why I absolutely, fundamentally believe that God wants to bless you with amazing things in your life. I believe that. I believe God wants to pour out upon your life in a way that is unspeakable and unimaginable. You know why? Because when He does that, we have an opportunity when we receive amazing blessing, provision from God, breakthrough from God, there is an opportunity there. And the last word I want you to write down is the word gratitude. There's an opportunity there to give God praise. And, and for many people here, we have this wrong idea, wrong concept of God's heart for our life. God's not a God of lack, God's a God of blessing. I, early on in my Christian walk, I found it really hard. I had a wrong idea. Of, of, of blessing and I had a, a poverty mindset where I found it difficult to even receive. And, and to this day at times, I still find it, you know, challenging at times. I, I believe 100% that it's God's will to bless people. But at times I find it difficult when God blesses me, I find it difficult to receive. 
recently, about three months ago, I, I, I moved into a new house. And it truly was just a, just a blessing, a miracle from God. And I remember the first time somebody came over, you know, and me and the kids there, and, and they came over and they're like, wow, this, is a, this house is awesome. And, you know, I don't live in the Taj Mahal. Like, it's not crazy. It's, you know, it's great. It's good. But I remember when they said that, I almost got like, almost like a bit embarrassed. And, and I felt like God convicted me. Because I sort of pulled back, like when people are like, wow, that's, this is a great house. I don't like that. And, and, and the Lord spoke to me later on. And He said, you missed a great opportunity to give me praise. And it hit me and I thought, wow, I did. And now I've changed the way in which I look at things that we're given, whether it be a, an amazing spouse that you have or whether it be a great job or whether it be a nice car or a beautiful watch, whatever it is that God wants to bless you with and bring across your path, everything that we get from God is an opportunity because what it is, is this is a way God communicates to us what His heart is and how good He is. And one of the ways in which we can know Him is by seeing His goodness in the way God blesses us. But if you have a wrong mindset, you will miss the goodness of God in the blessing and you'll be so busy and so full of shame that the enemy will bring upon you in relation to your blessing that there's an opportunity with that blessing to give God praise. And so if you have things in your life, and I'm talking about things that God's given or things that you can afford, don't go take this message and, you know, go to South Coast and hit up Louie and then walk away with all of this stuff you can't afford. Because God doesn't get glory for that. Your Amex does. And you already give them too much every month. So don't give them glory that they don't deserve. Wait until God blesses you and you can afford it so much that you can go there with someone else and buy them something too. And you can both walk out of there giving God glory and say, God has actually been good to me. And I'm gonna give Him praise. It's not just, elevation's not just a part of the journey, it's necessary. It's God reaching out at times to show us, this is how much I love you. This is how good I am. This is who I am. I'm a God that wants to bless His children. And if you would let me do it and give me praise for it when I do, we will get in a great flow and this thing will just keep rolling. People say to me all the time, and I'm gonna finish. People say to me all the time, you have beautiful kids. I would hear it nearly every day. We'd be walking down the street or at the beach, people are like, you, you have such beautiful kids. And normally, you know, I, normally I, I would just say, oh, thank you, thank you so much. They're a handful, you know. <laughs> and even in that, I realised what I'm doing there is I'm deflecting again. 
And so I've decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to change right now in what I'm saying when people say you've got beautiful kids. And this is what I want for us this week to practice doing. I'm going to start saying, the moment people say that you've got beautiful kids, I'm, saying, I'm going to say God's been good to me. Because there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to give God praise. Whatever area in your life that you need a breakthrough in, and I want all of us to stand to our feet, I'm going to give you one last little nugget to take home. I want you to think of what you're believing for God to do, to shift, to change, breakthrough that you want. I want you to think of it. It might be in your personal life. It might be in your family. It might be in your marriage. It might be in your finances. Whatever it is. I want you to think about it for a minute. Because as I was getting ready this morning and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, because we know the verse, the verse tells us that He inhabits the praises of His people. And there are areas in our life that we want changed. And hear me, I believe so much in the power of prayer. But I know for myself, sometimes when I'm praying for things that I want changed, my focus is on what I want God to change. But the verse spoke to me this morning that God inhabits the praises of His people. And so what I want us to do this week, and we're about to do it together as a corporately in, a, in one minute. I want you to think about that thing in your life that you need a breakthrough in. And I want you to find, I want you to do what Philippians 4.8 tells us to do. And I want you to search through that area that sucks so bad in your life. And I want you to find one thing right in the middle of it. And it might be small and insignificant. And I want you this week to praise God for that. And what you will do is God will, because you need God to show up where? In the situation. So get in the middle of the situation, find something small to give God praise for. And according to the Scripture, God will inhabit what? The praises that you give Him while you are right there. This week, I've been going through some stuff with, with my son, Luca. And it's been tough. He just navigating just his emotions and just his. And I've been praying. And it breaks my heart. But I haven't been praying in faith. 
and I was finding it difficult. Not that I don't believe God could do it, but my focus, as I was sharing before, has been the problem. And it's so heartbreaking to watch and I don't know how to fix it and I don't know what to do. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and He said, get in the middle of it and start to praise me. And then I started to think of when Luca, before he was born, that they said to us that he would have Down syndrome. Then once they changed that diagnosis, a few weeks later, they said that there was a cyst on his brain. Then when he was born, they told us that he had autism. And I look at each one of those things and it puts me right in the middle of where I'm at right now. And I say, you know what? I need God. I need you to change stuff. But right now, I'm just going to praise you and just thank you for this little five-year-old little punk that drives me nuts sometimes. But he's blessed me more than he's driving me crazy. And right now, I'm going to allow... God to inhabit my family and my kids by giving God praise for who they are and what He's done thus far, believing that my God is good and this is the way God works. And right now, right across this room, I want you to raise your hands. I want you to think about what you need God to change. And I want you to start thanking Him. And I want gratitude to start coming up out of your heart because this is the way God works. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.